Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I am Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 16 of the North Meet South web podcast. That was not planned, by the way, listeners. I'm just having an extra good day today. I've got a work Christmas party tonight, so what's not to be excited about, right? Huh. It's actually, you would think that maybe that's not exciting for everybody, but I actually work for a really great company, and our Christmas parties are awesome. They're so cool. <laughs> I can't wait to, to go. It's going to be great. They're giving away a couple thousand dollars, a 55-inch TV, oh, days off work. It is a great company. Yeah. I mean, tell me about it, right? It's pretty awesome. So I'm stoked, and it's good food, and... Yeah. We had our Christmas party last night. How'd it go? I did not go. <laughs> well, that's, see, you got to go to at least give some feedback. On the office Grinch. <laughs> oh, man. You don't, hold on, let me guess. Australians don't celebrate Halloween, don't celebrate Thanksgiving, don't celebrate Christmas. <laughs> Michael. No, we celebrate Christmas. Well, my wife has her work Christmas party tonight, and I didn't really feel like doing two parties in two nights so dude parties are like you know i don't know maybe it's just the extrovert in me maybe. love the parties <laughs> love the parties yeah okay so last week we said that we wanted to talk about minty if you remember yes. what minty is minty is your your runaround day-to-day car right that's correct that's correct it is a mint green escort station wagon it is a 95, I think. 96. It's 20 years old now. Yeah. Good. Uh, happy birthday, Minty. And this car is a beater. And I don't know why it's so funny, but it is. It's like it's got a life of its own. I think when you name a car, it um, it like becomes a thing. Like It's like a pet. You yeah. know what I mean? Almost. It's like part of the family. What's really funny is that I'm actually looking on the wall right now. And somebody, one of my coworkers, that's as a joke has a sketch of Minty that is on the wall that I hung on the wall here. <laughs> um, that's how like loved this car is by our office. And so it's a fun car. I've had it forever. It was my sister-in-law's when she was going to college forever ago, like 10 years, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And then it got passed on to her sister, which is my wife. And then now I drive it and, oh man. So the speedometer doesn't work. The odometer does not work. Um, in order to get the heat to turn on, you have to kick the dash on the passenger side underneath. The door handle on the on the uh, driver's side has fallen off. And so I had to like push it back in place and hold it on the door and then pull the handle to get the door open. It is an automatic, but it does not shift out of first gear. So you have to start and drive and it stays in first. So you stop at a stop sign and we, and then you have to shift it down into overdrive and it goes into like a lower gear. I don't even think it's second and you can get up to about 45 before it starts whining and sounds like it's going to blow up, you know? So <laughs> that is minty and I drive it every day. Jeez. Just hope you don't ever get pulled over. Do you guys, do you have defection of cars over there? Like if you get pulled over by a police officer, will they defect your car and basically say you cannot drive this anymore? Probably, probably would. But the thing is, it looks good from the outside. You would never know. It's only got like one rust spot. It's got all the mirrors. It's got, you know, all the lights work. That's another story. The the brake light would stay on for forever (laughs) a while back, but I had to fix that. So anyway, it is quite the car. It is quite the car. And I plan on driving it till it dies or until I get in an accident. 
Oh, and since the odometer doesn't work, I don't know when to change the oil. So I think it's probably been a year since I've changed the oil. It's like it gets like an annual oil change. Right. <laughs> but I only drive it like it's a mile to work. So I drive a mile to work and then I yeah, drive okay. it home. So it's it's no big deal. You know, it's that's what that's the thing, right? Is it keeps me warm in the winter on my way to work, so I don't have to deal with the wind. Yeah. And that's it. Otherwise I'd ride my bike. So maybe when this car goes to crap, I'll maybe just ride my bike. I don't know. We'll see. So anyway, that's Minty. I just, just thought I'd share. It's a, it's a fun, that is, awesome that car. That is very, very different to the car that, that we're buying. So. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about your car. Did you get one yet? Um, I actually went yesterday and um, signed the contract for it. So Nice. Um, we, we're, still, <laughs> we're still waiting on the bank because apparently at this time of year, the bank is very busy. Oh wow! Okay, but because because of the way we're going about it, we're we're basically topping up our mortgage because we get some money out to do some things around the house as well. Um, yeah, yeah. So my mortgage broker said, "Yeah, just go and put a deposit on it." She doesn't really see any reason why the bank would not give us the money. And worst come to worst, and we don't get the money, then we get our deposit back, and we just don't get a car, which would be sad. But yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, not the end of the world. What kind of car are you getting? I'm gonna look it up. Um, so we are getting, it's a Hyundai Tucson, because uh, oh, they yeah. advertise them during the basketball, so I'm pretty sure they call them Hyundai, Hyundai yep. over there. Yep, Hyundai, yep, you got uh, it. Yeah, it's Hyundai. a Tucson. Well, they all call them, everybody calls them, everybody calls them something different. Yeah. Hyundai. Tucson. I can't remember, there's, there's Ari- Is it Arizona? Tucson, Arizona? Yep, you got it, Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. I thought you were going to get a Subaru. Everybody gets Subarus, don't they? In Australia, they're, yeah, they're all Subarus over there. All right, so we don't really have a um, we don't have a dealer near us, so it'd kind of be out of the way when, whenever we had to take it in for a service. Oh, okay. Whereas, whereas this one's kind of on the way to both of our work, so whoever's driving the car that day and and it needs to go in for a service could just drop it in on the way in. That's nice. Yeah, that is actually really convenient, and that's definitely yeah. something to be considered. I'm um, the place we'd have to go to get our. Our minivan, yes, I have a minivan. Our minivan service is like on the other side of town, and it's never convenient. Like, yeah. but we do have Uber in town, so I can like go down there and get an Uber ride back to work. So that's that's handy because they have like this service where they'll go drop you off at work, like the place pool. But it's always like creepy. You're driving with all these weird people that you don't know, and it's yeah. like I don't know. I don't. Maybe that's like proud of me. I'm not sure, but if I can use an <laughs> Uber, I'll I'll do that. You know. I'd much rather drive with one stranger than four strangers. You got it. You got it. Okay. Well, <clears throat> Minty is off the list here, so we're actually getting some code stuff. Thank you guys for sticking with us as we catch up. Uh, the first thing we wanted to talk about was PHP 7.1. It is now out of beta, and it is released in the wild for production use. So we wanted to talk about a couple of the things that have been brought to PHP 7.1 that you might find useful. Sadly, the short function almost arrow-like function syntax did not make it into 7.1. Yeah, disappointing. Yeah, that is. It's really disappointing. I know Jeffrey Way was like, come on, please, people, please put this in here. Just do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't work out. That's too bad. That's really unfortunate. But maybe next, maybe 7.2. Who knows? Who knows? Fingers crossed. Um, the first, <clears throat> yeah, fingers crossed. The first thing is multiple exception uh, type handling. So in the past, what you might have had is you'd have a try catch block surrounding a piece of code, and that piece of code may throw one of 10 different exceptions. Uh, so let's say, for example, you're doing a Stripe transaction, like a charge. You, will, you might get a couple different types of error. You might get um, the, that the, the expiration date is wrong, or that the CVV is wrong, or that the card number is wrong, or that the bank just rejected it, or any number of errors. 
Well, those throw unique exception um, signatures are not signatures, I suppose, but they're different classes. What you previously had to do is you'd have to catch and then you'd type in the type of exception. So you'd say like card error exception, dollar sign E, and you would handle that a specific way. And then you would handle a, if you wanted to catch also an invalid CVV, you'd have to say another catch and then you'd have to type in the CVV and then dollar sign E and then catch that however you wanted to. But sometimes it's necessary to just say, listen, I don't care what type of exception it is that's coming from Stripe. I wanna handle this type, like these three types of errors one way. If it's a fatal error, you know, return to the user and say like, there's nothing we can do with it. Uh, or if it's just an error on my side, like if I got a bad token, I'm gonna handle it this way. Well, now what you can do in PHP 7.1 is your catch block can actually pass in multiple types of exceptions. So you could say card exception, pipe, um, invalid CVV exception, pipe, and then whatever, pass however many you want through and then dollar sign E, I believe that's the syntax for it. And so you can handle multiple exception types with one catch block, which is really pretty handy. I know that was, uh, I've, I've run into that problem in the past and it's always a huge pain. Yeah. Have you ever had that problem? Um, not not as such. We, I mean, usually I only go two, maybe three exceptions deep, so it's not too bad. Um, but yeah, once you, once you get past that, it starts to get a bit out of control. Yeah, sure. And it depends also on how they structure their exceptions, right? Maybe there's one base exception that all of their exceptions extend from. Yeah. And in that case, you can kind of just catch that base exception and yeah. then figure out, you know, what situation you're in. Um, but not all apps structure it that way. And, and uh, since you can't necessarily modify the source code of a package you're pulling in, you just kind of got to deal with the, how they're doing it. Yeah. And uh, I think Stripe is one example where that, I think that was the example that I was thinking of when I've had to do that before where I catch multiple exceptions and it can look kind of nasty. So... So that's good. So there were a couple others that we had talked about that I am not aware of what they are. So I'm going to let you take those. So let's start with nullable types. Yeah, so nullable types. Basically, I think with PHP 7, if you were to define a uh, return type hint and you said you wanted to have an integer and you returned null from your function, you would get an error basically from the from PHP. So now you can actually prefix your return type declaration with a question mark and that will then tell uh, the PHP interpreter that you can return whatever that type is so you can return an integer or you can return null so that's that's kind of handy if you know in some some cases null might be an answer where do you put that where do you put that declaration like where do you tell it that you're like how do you define the return type where is so that the, put the at? return type is is essentially with your function or your method declaration, you go function um, method name, open parentheses, close parentheses, and then a colon. And then you would put the return type after the colon before the opening cool. brace. Got it. That makes sense. So yeah, and that, that's something I, I guess has come from other languages, but I think more, more closely related to PHP, it's come out of HHVM or come out of hack, basically. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I haven't used hack much, but... I know it's like strong. Is it strongly typed? Like, um, so you can, you know, sorry, I suppose that's what is yeah. that if that's the if that's the um, terminology you would use. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's nullable types. There was also void returns. Is that the same sort of? Um, yeah, the same kind of thing. Um, basically, when you when you say that a function should return void, it means that the method should not return at all. Um, so, you, oh, yeah. you know, if you say that, if you say that the function the return of that that method is not relevant to the operating of your code. So you might might be a validation method, for example. You could throw an exception, 
um, but it doesn't it doesn't return true. Basically, if there is no exception thrown by that method, then you assume that it, that it was successful. Um, so you might use that with Laravel's validation uh, trait. You could potentially say, you know, return void, and that means it doesn't return anything, but it could throw an exception. You declare that in the same spot as you would have declared before, yep. like you were talking about when you say colon string. Okay, so you just say colon void. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That makes sense, and I suppose you could use it. You could use it too, like if it was something that was mutating a property in your object, whatever. Like if it's just a method, like almost like a little convenience method yeah. where you have like five lines of code that do one specific thing, yep. but it's only modifying like a property on Correct. your object. And yeah, like an eloquent mutator, for example. Sure, sure, exactly. So where you, where you would probably currently have like a PHP doc annotation, you know, the at return, or at return yes. void, mm-hmm. you would now actually say, you know, colon void in your method declaration. Okay, very cool. That makes, that makes total sense. Yeah. Okay, and then, then the last thing we had talked about, and I think this is actually bitten you before when you were doing your nullable fields package, possibly. possibly. Visibility on class constants. Um, so talk, tell us about that. Yeah, I don't think... With my package, I had issues with defining um, properties on a trait. So you can't define like a protected property on the trait to enforce oh, okay. to enforce a user of that trait to have it de- defined. But yeah, what what the class constant visibility basically means is that you can define your con- your constants within a class as public, private, or protected. Um, in the same way that you can do currently with properties. Um, and that means yeah, which you weren't able to do before, which you weren't able to do before. Yeah, everything was just a public constant. So you can now define a constant as public by just omitting the visibility keyword. So if you just write const, const, um, then that'll obviously be public. Um, but private and protected have the same visibility as what the properties do. So private you can access within that class, um, and protected you can access within that class and any descendants of it. So any child classes they implement. Or extend it rather. Which this is interesting. This is interesting too. If you don't put a uh, visibility declaration on the front of any of the stuff inside your class, so like a function, for example, if you didn't put public function, if you just put function, it would yep. be by default be public. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah. The, I, I saw a few people talking about that recently as well. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's probably just one of those things where it's like I've done it that way for so long that it would kind of be hard to get out of that habit. Yeah. And it might look weird to some of the developers on the team. Yeah. Uh, but I think I actually like the way it looks better without it, without the word yeah. public. I like the way it looks. I don't know if it's it's not necessarily better, of course. It's just a preference thing. No. Well, especially if, I mean, if your class is going to be predominantly public methods or if they're all public methods, then you could probably get away with it, not, not specifying yeah. the visibility. But if you're going to have some methods that are public and then some that are you know, private, for example, in your in your controllers, you might have some private methods that are related specifically to that controller. That's where it might get a bit weird to look at, but you'd probably just get over it, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of like a probably would be my reasoning too, is like, if I'm going to have protected and private on some of them, it would drive me crazy that they weren't kind of like lined up. Like if there was some that just omitted public and just had function, and then some that had like protected and some that had private, that would drive me nuts. I would want yeah. it to be consistent across. So I'd have public, yeah. So that would be a good, that would be kind of a good um, heuristic, I suppose, to say like if all of them are public, you can omit public. But if they are, if there's anything other than public, then you need to have it on all of them. Yeah, I suppose agreed. you could do that. Cool. That's kind of like reminds me of a video I watched this week, which there is like fun, fun function, I think is the name of the YouTube <laughs> series. Yeah. Have you seen this guy? You know this guy? Yeah. Okay. I saw, so he's I a JavaScript video. dude. Um, was it? He's a JavaScript guy. Yeah. I think David Hempel maybe posted it. 
Okay. Yep. I was, uh, so I was talking about something in our, in our Slack channel the other day and David Hemphill posted it up and I had just watched the video the previous night. I was talking about something JavaScript factories. I think it was, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. Kind of factories versus classes in JavaScript. And he said, you should watch fun, fun function. And I was like, that's exactly what I just watched. That's why I'm talking about this. So it was pretty cool. But he talks about omitting semicolons in your JavaScript, which is interesting. It's kind of this sort of same thing where it's like, you can do that, but the typical, the typical, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the standard, I guess, yeah. Yeah. is to use semicolons. But his argument was that you know, people say that you'll break things if you don't use them. And he said that's absolutely not correct because JavaScript has what's called ASI, auto, automatics um, semicolon insertion. Yep. And you can't turn it off. So regardless of if you use semicolons or not, it's going to put semicolons in there automatically wherever it's going to do it. So there was like two very narrow cases in which you using semicolons would prevent something from breaking. But I've, I, looking at the examples, I would have never... Never known. I have never used any of those two yeah. situations that would have broken it. Anyway, we should post that in the show notes. It's a really interesting yeah, article and kind of gave me something to think about. And you should definitely watch Fun Fun Function or Functions, whatever it is. It's yeah. very insightful. The guy's super entertaining to watch. Yeah, he was. It's not like a typical code talk. He's very funny. Yeah. You should watch it. <laughs> so anyway, there's that. Hey, Michael, speaking of videos and things online, which is pretty much what our entire show is about. <laughs> It is almost Christmas time, and as Christmas rolls around, we have Advent. So, like the 24, 25 days, you know, 24 days before Christmas is here. Yep. And there's some really cool things going on online. Do you want to talk about a couple of those real quick? Yeah. So, a couple of them that, I, that I've that i come across, one of them I've only come across for the first time, I think. I mean, it vaguely rings a bell, um, is 24 pull requests. So, 24 pull requests in a similar way to what Hacktoberfest was is basically geared around encouraging people to contribute back to open source. All of us obviously use different open source things, you know, whether it's Laravel or Symfony or or, or even PHP is is open source, right? So, uh, what twenty four pull requests does is basically just gives you a bit of an encouragement to between now and Christmas, now and the traditional date of Christmas that we predominantly celebrated on, I suppose, um, <laughs> is to basically just make a pull request. Now, whether that's, you know, documentation, you know, heaps of people I've noticed recently are starting to make pull requests to the Laravel docs. You can go through open issues, you know, on a repository and, and sort of help triage those things or offer some commentary for ones that maybe haven't had any feedback from anyone. You know, documentation, conventions, providing examples even, commenting code, adding tests, things like that. So yeah, it's really all about basically giving back to open source. Yeah, some of the challenge with that can be, for me anyways, I feel like whenever I want to contribute to open source, it's always like a, sometimes it's documentation and sometimes it's small fixes, but more often than not, it's like a feature and those can take forever to get. I mean, as you know, you know, you write a feature and then it, there's the back and forth of, well, can you change this? And it might be a little bit better if it was this way or whatever. And then it takes the open source person who's managing the open source repo a while to get back to it because it's not their full-time job to manage just repository. It's just kind of something they do on the side. So yeah, 24 pull requests in a month would be, would be difficult, but Maybe, yeah. Maybe, who knows? Yeah. In any case, Some if you even submitted one more than you would have, yeah, it's a good, it's a good thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, there was another one that you had mentioned, which was yeah, the one is the advent of code. 
And basically what that is, is just some little code challenges. So um, you do a different different one every day. It gives you a, I'll, I'll read out the first paragraph. So it's day one, no time for a taxi cab. Santa's sleigh uses a very high precision clock to guide its movements and the clock's oscillator is regulated by stars. Unfortunately, the stars have been stolen by the Easter Bunny. To save Christmas, Santa needs you to retrieve all 50 stars by December 25th. So basically it goes through a puzzle and it, and it gives you, based on the following formula, how many blocks away is the Easter Bunny's headquarters. So, you know, it's, it tells you that L is a left turn 90 degrees, R is a right turn 90 degrees, and then if you go, you know, R2 is two right turns and L3 is three left turns and things like that. So basically it gives you some text and it's 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 code challenges and they get progressively harder as you go along. I use this, I think I got probably about 12 days in last year before it got a bit ahead of me. But this was when I first started looking at collection pipelines. So collection pipelines were pretty oh, helpful cool. in getting some of some of the earlier challenges done. Maybe 12 months on, I will be a bit better at it and uh, I'll, I'll be a bit more successful this year um, if I if I find the time. Yeah. Speaking of pipeline collections and books and series and all of that stuff, Adam Wathen has Refactoring to Collections, which is definitely a good read. If you haven't read it yet, I know we've plugged that before. And when last week, we also talked about his testing series. What do we call it? A testing, what would we call it? Course? A testing course? course? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that just released this week, Tuesday. He called it Test Driven Tuesday, which was very clever. Good job, Adam. Way to go on that. So you have Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and Test Driven Tuesday. So we'll see if that that branded day yeah. actually gets some test driven love in the following in the coming years. So I think it uh, it sounded like he was doing what the this, the course had done really well. He had a lot of people jump on board in this early adoption sort of stage because yeah, he's definitely. not completely completely done with it. So um, it sounded like it was it was uh, it went well for him. And I actually have not had a chance to get my employer to purchase it yet because. That's what I do. I just have my employer <laughs> purchase it for me. But I will. So Adam, if you're listening to this, just give me a next week. I'll, I'll get it next week. I'll buy it next week. If you're listening to this, Adam, thank you so much because you know that I'm your number yeah. one customer. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? Are you his number one? Like, are you like database record number one, his yeah, customer? David Hempill, because he built like the whole course interface, kind of cheated and pre-bought it. So he's he's number zero. Yeah, Adam said that he's number zero, but I'll always be number one. So nice. Hey, that you know what? Being number one is almost better than being number zero, isn't it? I mean, who wants yeah. to be number zero? Who wants zero? to be a zero? <laughs> yeah, you want to be a number one. You want to be I'm number one. That's what you want to say. That's right. Well, cool. Good for you. One more uh, blog post. Not blog post. One more blog that I kind of wanted to um, talk about. Not related necessarily. It's related to code for sure, like development stuff. But it's not necessarily just like backend ops stuff. Uh, is 24ways.com. I know a lot of, a lot of um, it's a kind of a variety of, of topics. It's like front end, UI, back end, all that sort of stuff, user experience. So that's a cool one too, 24ways.com. You can check that out and they have a post each day from kind of big names in the community. In, in the communities, I suppose, not in yeah. the community, like PHP community, but it's good. It's really good. I always enjoy reading their stuff. Cool. Cool. Okay, so I had a experience recently where I wanted to put a blog post up on Medium. So it's medium.com. And I think maybe the best way to describe what medium.com is, is it's it's not open source, but it's it's like a free to use blogging platform, like your own personal blogging platform, right? Is that kind of what you'd say? It's yeah. easy to get started, easy to use, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. 
so it's it's really good anyway but the the kind of the thing that it brings to the table is not necessarily that it's a free blogging platform we've had those before it's almost the the tools that it has around it so there's a lot of communities that are built around some of these posts so because what you can do is you can have a contributor like so you can have almost like a publication i don't know if that you'd what if that's what you'd call it eric barnes started one called dot dev yep. where i can write something and then i can ask him hey like what do you think about this post would you be willing to publish it in your dot dev so he can say yes i will publish it and then he can make me essentially an author and almost take my post and say this is dot devs now and whenever anybody links to it, it's going to come up as a dot dev article it'll show you as the author but whatever so it really it does it takes what would have been a probably unheard of not really that much traffic post on my own thing mm-hmm. and it puts it out there for a lot more people to see and gets a lot more traction yeah and so this last week I posted something and we talked about in our previous podcast uh, using arrow functions to clean up your your view modules view components mm-hmm. and it got a ton of traffic which I was super stoked about I've never posted anything on medium before but it was fun and it makes it really easy for people to share it on Twitter and stuff too so I got all those notifications because if you if you're signed up through Twitter whenever somebody shares it it says, read view, you know, read using arrow functions with your view components by at Jacob Bennett. So it automatically tags me whenever somebody shares it from Medium, which is cool. So I could see anybody who shared it, which was was really neat. But it was a pain to kind of get it from a Markdown file to Medium. Here's the first problem. A lot of developers write in Markdown for their blog posts, myself Mm -hmm. included. Mm -hmm. You cannot write in Markdown on Medium. You cannot copy and paste Markdown in Medium and expect it to parse it. It will not. So you're you're either stuck basically copying and pasting your entire article in there and using their formatting tools to set like a heading, a subtitle, whatever. But then you also have the issue of code. So I'm used to in my blog posts, if I post code in there, like with code fences, I want that code to be syntax highlighted because it looks decent to me. It's what I'm used to seeing all day. And if I have a large block of code, just unform, un, unsyntax highlighted code looks terrible. It's just like gray text on a, on a screen. It just doesn't look good. Yeah. So there's a couple challenges. So I'm going to outline really quickly here for you how I overcame some of these challenges, some of the challenges that still exist, and how I'm trying to address those. So the work the workaround for using Markdown for your Medium posts is that you can create a gist. So gist.github.com, if you're not familiar with it, is a quick way to kind of save little code snippets. And it's where I actually save all my personal blog posts. So I will create a markdown file. I'll say blog.md. I will paste in my markdown in there and I will save it. So you can actually import that post into Medium. And Medium will respect the markdown. And it will it'll basically format it intelligently. You'll probably have to do a couple tweaks. But it'll at least pull in like a, a main heading, a subheading. And it actually will do links and... Uh, like lists for you, uh, yep. it'll it'll pull that in from from uh, your Markdown file, but you can't edit it in Markdown once it's already in there. Okay, so that's that's workaround number one. Problem is when you do that, your code blocks still come in as a massive mess of garbage, so you can't. You, it doesn't work to do that. So you have to retype your code blocks. Okay, still not syntax highlighted, which is the second problem. So the only way that you can get syntax highlighting in Medium is to take each one of your code blocks and create a separate gist for each code block. So you can imagine I have 15 code blocks in my post. I have to go to gist.github.com, new gist, 
paste my gist in there, name the file, save it, and then take the URL that I get and paste that into Medium. Yeah. Medium will then embed that as a gist into the into the blog post and will use syntax highlighting from GitHub. But you can imagine if you're writing yeah. a blog post that has anything more than a couple code snippets, it's a huge yeah. pain. Huge it pain. is not fun to do that. Yeah. And so kind of like your, your options are either write it on Medium, write it all on Medium, or write it in Markdown and import it from a gist, but don't have syntax highlighting and have to put your code blocks back in. Yep. Or your next option, which is what I'm working on. And I'm not sure what I'm going to call it yet, but it's almost done. Here's what it, here's the situation. You take your you take your post, you write it all in Markdown. Then you will come to my site that I'm making. Again, don't know what it's going to be called yet. Maybe like medium highlighter or something super non-clever, but at least <laughs> it describes what it's doing. Yeah. And you will paste it in there. And then you type like parse, parse post. And what it'll do is it'll take every single code block that you have and it'll split it out into its own section. You can then name each code block that you'd like and you can press submit or save or however we want to call that. Mm -hmm. And it will create a new gist for each one of those code snippets. And it will replace that code snippet in your markdown file with the URL of the gist that it created. Nice. So what that will allow you to do is basically write everything in markdown. You will It will replace all of your code blocks with the, the gist URLs, and then it will save you a new gist that you can then import into Medium. That will handle the markdown formatting for you and will handle the syntax highlighting for you, which for me is the only way I would ever post on Medium again, is yeah. if there's some better way to do it because it was literally the hugest pain in the neck. So there's a lot of developers who write on Medium. I feel like this would be a great tool. So hopefully I'll have it out there, at least a very, very minimum viable, you know, version in yeah. this coming week. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah that'd be helpful because, yeah, I, I've written a couple of posts on there and that whilst they weren't code heavy, that was sort of, you know, it was more walls of text than it was um, code. And yeah, the way the way that they handle it, Medium wasn't really built, I don't think, for developers to write on, at least not to write about code on. So, yeah, yeah, being able to make the whole process simpler for those of us, you know, or for most of us developers who would write in Markdown, as you say, and then and then want to post it, being able to do that, especially if I'm going to cross-post something from my blog to Medium, um, yep. being able to just copy and paste the Markdown that I've already got without having to spend you know, any reasonable amount of time sort of reformatting it specifically for, for Medium would be good. Yeah, I feel like for me, it probably took me, oh, I don't know, a half hour, maybe a little bit longer to take and, and reformat it for Medium. Yeah. And this would probably take that process down to about two minutes. So yeah. it, it's it would be massively helpful. And uh, it still has some problems. Like for instance, if you have 10 code snippets that you need to create, that you want syntax highlighted, you now have 10 private gist snippets that are clogging up your gist stuff, you know? So it's like every yeah. time you create a blog post, you. so the alternative option was kind of like, I was thinking I could make it an anonymous gist and that way it doesn't clutter up all your gists, but then you also don't have the ability to edit it later. Yeah. So that was kind of like, eh, I don't know what I like about that. And the problem with that too is, if you're creating an anonymous gist, you can't use a user's personal token. So we'd hit the rate limit pretty fast if yeah. we were just using like an application's, uh, you know, OAuth yeah, token sure. to, to do that stuff. So there's some inherent problems, but that's kind of just how it is. Like it's if, it's if you want to post on Medium with syntax highlighting and you want to be able to import from Markdown, these are the sacrifices you'll have to make. Yeah. So 
But I was kind of surprised it hasn't been done before. Um, yeah. The markdown, the markdown import for for Medium has been done. Like it's done, right? They they do yep. it from from GitHub or from Gists. But the syntax highlighting is a problem that has not been solved. So that's the that's the problem I'm aiming to solve here. And I think it's gonna be pretty simple. So yeah, that's good. Solve away. Well, that's all I've got for today, man. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I think that that's all. My um, it's my cousin's wedding next weekend. So her fiance is having his buck show today. What is that? Uh, Explain so, it. That's not an American thing. Really? You don't have a buck show? I don't know if it, we, maybe we call it a bachelor party. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bachelor party. Same thing. I was going to okay. say that okay. didn't sound like something that we would have come up with by ourselves. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's doing show. lunch and then a pub crawl. And you know what a pub crawl is, right? I do know what a pub crawl okay, is. Yes, good. we do have those over here. <laughs> so yeah, he's doing that, but I will not be participating in the pub crawl because I have to go to this Christmas party tonight. But also because of the you wedding should just months. go plastered. That would be super classy. <laughs> just go well, to no. this no, no, party no, of your wife's my just sister, plastered. My sister is in the bridal party and she's flying in today, and I have to pick her up from the airport. Oh so, man! So I've got to go from from this this bachelor party. I have to come home, get ready to go to the Christmas party, drop my wife off at the Christmas party, pick my sister up from the airport, bring her back home, and then go back to the Christmas party myself. So. Dude, you got a busy night. Busy night, and then she's she's staying with us for the week. Her husband and her her kids get here next Friday, and they're staying with us uh, Friday and Saturday. So we'll have our own own family over here next weekend. So we'll that's awesome, work, man. We'll have to work around that for next recording. But it'll be fine. Yeah. Be well, fine. for as many times as I've had to bail on the podcast for family stuff, it's if you you know <laughs> if we need a week off, we can we can accommodate that. Yeah. I was gonna say you're gonna have to make him some uh, awesome like fire stone pizza or whatever oh, you call yeah. that yeah i was speaking to my sister the other day and, and i said oh do you want to have exclusive pizza and then we'll do it tomorrow and her family misses out or we can wait until next week and then they can all have it and she goes can we have both i'm like all right so yeah, we can do that right? i said you've got to make nice. use of the pizza oven yeah that's right so for those of you who don't know micah got micah michael got an amazing pizza oven it's like a grill slash pizza so if you've ever been to those stone oven yeah. It's big, big pizza places. Oven. Yeah, that's what Michael got at, for home because you know he couldn't go to the restaurants and do it once a month. He's got to do it at home yeah, whenever he wants. That's exactly right. You spoiled Australian, you. And look, I've gone pretty good at the fire now, so it doesn't take me like three hours just to get it up to temperature anymore. <laughs> wow, dude, that's yeah, that's a lot of work. My yeah. wife is like, you know, she wants a gas grill. She she doesn't like char. She likes the way the charcoal tastes, but she's like, we just need a gas grill because yeah. she doesn't like to wait for the sure. charcoal to heat up. So. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, man. Well, hey, it was super good talking to you. Always is. Always is. Enjoy your enjoy your weekend and your crazy evening. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk soon. And nice. Michael did this for me last week, but I'll go ahead and do it for this this week. <laughs> for those of you who enjoyed the podcast, uh, thank you so much for listening. You can find us at northmeetssouth.audio online slash 16 for show notes for this episode and uh, North Meets South, I think, or is it North South Audio? I always forget. North South Audio on Twitter? North South Audio. North South Audio on Twitter. And uh, yeah, if you like the podcast, rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars is always super helpful. And I was going to say that, Michael, you are an amazing editor because Last week, there was a couple of things that made me sound like a total moron, and you are just, you're honing your craft, my friend. You're getting very good. Yeah. I've noticed. So I've used, I've used ours, as, a, ours as, the, as, the, as the proving ground, and I've, I've started to branch out. So if anyone else wants me to edit their podcast, 
<laughs> yeah, man, you're getting skilled, dude. I can like, I can hardly tell the times where you're cutting out my long ums or my pauses or <laughs> just my ridiculous well, comments. So even better than that is that I can look at the waveform of your voice and I know where the um is. That's awesome. I appreciate that. <laughs> at least you're kind and you break up your ums. My ums run into the next word usually, whereas you <laughs> sort of pause. Um, and then go on to the next one. Then, <laughs> so it's easy to just to just cut it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a skill I've it's a skill I've acquired after many hours of of practicing my ums. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, we'll talk Brilliant. next week. Hopefully, if we get a chance. If not, uh, we'll see everybody in two weeks. Thanks, Very Michael. Good. See you later. Bye. Australian rednecks, bogans. I'm sorry, I'm already recording, by the way. Okay, you blow your mouth. Oh, there we go. I hope you're recording that. We'll put that right in the recording. I am, I am Mike, recording it. Michael blowing his nose.